Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Happy Father's Day, everyone. There you yeah. go. All right, so I have a dad joke for you. Uh, in my family, I'm actually the one, the kids say I say the dad joke, so I'm, I don't know what that says. But this, this dad joke is actually right here from someone at Hope Church. This was from Rob. Thank you, Rob. Uh, so if you think it's super cheesy, you can blame him afterwards, not me. What kind of father is cold and sharp? A shark. No. <laughs> but I'm glad someone's guessing. Any other guesses? A father that is cold and sharp. Rob, you want to shout it out? A popsicle. Hey, thank you. There you are. I couldn't find you at first. Thank you for that. (laughs) It is also Juneteenth, and we're celebrating that today as well. And I know that is an official federal holiday now, which is exciting. Uh, For those that don't know, that um, is a celebration of 1865 when the slaves in uh, Galveston, Texas, were finally freed uh, forcibly. Uh, this was two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation. So um, it's, it's something that we celebrate, but it also has a, a bit of lament to it, right? There's this sense of sadness there. And you know, I think a lot of things that we celebrate, whether it's Juneteenth or whether it's Father's Day, we, we're trying to hold space for, for more than one thing. We hold space for some lament, and some space for celebration. And I, I know for people here, even celebrating Father's Day, there's some that are missing fathers or grieving today as well. And I we just want to acknowledge that. Um, but we also want to celebrate the dads that are here and, um, and just say, we are so glad you joined us and we hope you feel loved and appreciated today. Um, so today, I thought we'd start with just a little complaining session. So I have a board here. We may not be able to, uh, we're going to probably run out of space here, but I just thought, you know, there's so many problems in the world these days, and we're going to keep it PG, we've got kids in here, but what are some problems that you see in the world, whether it's in, you know, in the community and in, in globally, um, just shout out some problems. Yeah. Did you say, yeah. I'm going to refrain, this is, this is a, we are not a place of division here. Gas prices, all right. We're just going to put gas prices there. Rent prices going up. What's that? Rent. Rent. Oh, yeah. So we're just going to put money problems all around. The way we treat people. And I've done this before, guys. You know my handwriting sucks, so we're just going to... I heard somebody else. Politicians. I'll write that. That's fine. Killings. Oh I'm not even going to look to see if I spelled that right. right. We have crimes. Anything else? I know from like potholes. potholes? <laughs> Why not? Why not? All right, we got a good list going here. What's that? Fitted sheets. Fitted sheets. Sure. Yeah. 
I'm going to add like poverty, maybe some anger, school violence, yeah. And we got maybe room for one more thing on here. Car accidents, sure. We'll do a car, yep. Crazy, yeah, crazy car drivers, car accidents. Because of potholes. All right, so, and yeah, we're not going to go there, not going to go there. I'm going to leave this up here for just for now. So we could go on all day, right? I could spend all of the time up here that I have talking about the problems in the world. And we laugh at some of these, right? But, but if we're honest, we look around and probably every day we are more and more aware of, of the magnitude of problems that are in the world. Um, and today's message is based on Gandhi's quote, be the change that you want to see in the world. And so I, I want to talk to us today about when we see some of these problems, maybe not specifically potholes, but when we look at some of the problems in the world, I believe God is calling us as individuals, God is calling us as the church to be part of the solution to so many of these things in the world. He is calling us to be the light to the world. And that requires us to get into the game and to be part of, of the movement to change the world. Um, but you know what? I think that we have a little bit of a problem. And maybe it's uh, part of it is just commitment. I think guys get a bad rap for this. You know, like in all the TV shows, it's like, oh, the guy doesn't want to, you know, won't commit, dragging his feet, doesn't want to propose to the girl, whatever. I don't think it's a guy's only problem. I think we all have a commitment issue, whether it's to trying to get healthy or volunteering or going to a social event if you're an introvert. Like, we all have something in our lives that we would be afraid to commit to. And the truth is, I think even coming out of COVID, for a lot of people, I don't know about you, but certainly for myself, I felt myself so overwhelmed during COVID. And I think for, mo for many of us, it's almost like our capacity to commit to things kind of shrunk. We just felt like we could barely do the things that were in front of us. And so now, sometimes we look at these problems and, and the things in the world, and we're like, there is no way that I could help with that. That just seems so overwhelming. And we're going to get to that a little bit more as we go through today. Um, but I think we can often agree that life could be better and the world around us could be improved. Our workplaces could be more positive. Our families could be a little bit kinder to each other. But sometimes we avoid changing. We avoid being part of the change. Sometimes we misunderstand what God is asking us to do or we don't understand what that might look like. And I want to be very clear here. Part of the reason that we don't want to step out is because we have an enemy the enemy, Satan, who, again, we sang this song today, uh, Tell the Devil No, Not Today. But there is something the enemy is always looking to destroy, to kill, to discourage us. And I want to tell you something right now. The enemy knows that the light is always stronger than the darkness. The enemy knows that the light is always stronger than the darkness. So what would the enemy do to keep us stuck in all these, in these negative, in these dark places? Well, it would be helpful if the light just didn't show up at all if the light would just stay covered and hidden and, and not get in the game. You know, if, you, if you're playing a game and um, you, two teams are supposed to show up, if one team doesn't show up, they forfeit, right? And the other team wins. 
And I feel like maybe that's a tactic that the enemy tries to use here. And, and the Bible reminds us that the light was not meant to be covered. We don't, we don't, we don't hide a light under a bowl or under, under um, a covering, but we, we hold it out for all the world to see. God in you is stronger than the one in the world, and he wants to shine brightly through you, through us as the church. He wants to change the world And so we need to kind of confront some reasons maybe that we are hesitating to step out, that we maybe are not embracing this idea that God is calling us to be the change. So we're going to look today at a few reasons that we might do that. The first thing I think that keeps us from stepping out, from joining in this this fight and being the light, is that we really don't think it matters. We have this lie that we, we we don't really think it matters that much. To be honest, we look around and we are getting close to like 8 billion people worldwide and we can just start to think that anything that I would possibly do would just be a drop in the bucket. We look at problems like on this sheet. We look at wars and famines. Uh, we look at, um, again, even, even the shootings. We are at 246 at least mass shootings this year and it's just getting overwhelming. Even mental health issues. I, I was looking at statistics and since COVID, before COVID, we were at like 8 8 point something percent of people in the U.S. would say they dealt with depression. That number since COVID that we know of has tripled at least, um, and it's up to at least like 27.8 percent of the population. And again, I don't give you these statistics to be overwhelming, but actually to encourage you that, in fact, right now, more than ever, God is calling us to be the light because it is so very needed. I don't know if, if men hear this phrase from the Bible as much as women do, but there's a, a passage in the Old Testament in a book called Esther. And Esther was faced with this life or death decision. She, she knew her people were going to be annihilated. Um, an edict had gone out that all the Jewish people were going to be destroyed. And she had a choice where she could go and try to stop the king and save her people. And her uncle, Mordecai, he came to her and there's this pivotal moment where he says, perhaps, perhaps you were brought to this royal position for such a time as this. In other words, perhaps you were born, perhaps you were put here, perhaps you were placed in this position, in this time, for such a time as this. And I, you know what, honestly, it looks, I see it on like Instagram and Pinterest. It looks really cute as wall art for such a time as this. But you know what, it's actually a really gritty phrase it was a life or death phrase, and it's not just the cute, cute thing for moms to post on their walls, but it is for all of us as believers. And what if we believed, what if we lived like God had put each of us here for such a time as this, for such a reason as now, and to be part of speaking into and bringing light to some of these dark situations. And as overwhelming as the negative statistics are, guys, there's a lot of positive statistics that we see as well that come from even small changes. We don't always have to solve the world problems in order to make a powerful difference. Little things like um, when it comes to even just encouraging people. I look around and I think loneliness is such, it's like an epidemic right now. I think there's so many people that are lonely or are trying to reach out to people and don't know how to A 2020 survey by the USPS found that 65% of people agree that receiving mail lifts their spirits. So, you know, 35% of people don't care. But 
But for 65% of people, if you take five minutes to write them a note of encouragement, man, that could really be part of changing their day, changing their, um, the way they're feeling in that moment. Did you know if you're in your workplace, and especially maybe if you're a leader, a manager, did you know that 79% of employees will quit after receiving inadequate appreciation? 79%. But I think that means the opposite is true. That 79%, that 79% might actually stay if, if managers, if, if people who give feedback to their, their coworkers, if they could find ways to take the extra time to give positive feedback, to go out of your way and say, hey, I see what you did. This was, this was good, this, this thing that you did. I see that you're trying hard. I see that you're working at this. I really appreciate how you bring value to our team Maybe, maybe even if you're not a manager at work, you see someone um, that just always seems left out, overlooked, maybe they seem stressed, and you're like, I got a million things to do today, but you stop and take five minutes and you walk over to their cubicle and say, hey, what's going on? Invite them if the group's going out for, for dinner afterwards, you know? In little ways, we, we look at these mental health statistics, but it's the little things, it's those daily moments where we notice people and we see people and we love them, and that is where the light shines. It's Father's Day, so I'm talking about parenting too. There are so many statistics about how spending quality time with your kids, more just, just engaging in their lives and having conversation can boost their self-esteem. It can develop positive behaviors. And it doesn't have to be major things. It can be little changes like um, a Mental Health America website talks about you know, being honest with your kids, being able to separate the bad things they do from who they are. So, so saying... You know, what you did was wrong, but not calling them bad and being able to separate that so they don't internalize the shame over it. Avoiding being sarcastic with our kids, praising them, and you know, doing little things with them. And those can be small changes that make a huge difference. And we see this in the Bible, right? The Bible talks about how we need to discipline our children because we don't want to be a willing party to their death. In other words, we, we want to see them grow and be responsible in little ways. And, and so we challenge them and we correct them. But we also, the Bible says, do not embitter your children. So we find ways to do that also in love and to encourage them and to let them know that they are more important than, than the rules even, that, that somehow we, we let them know their worth to us. Um, even like something super simple. I don't know if you guys know about the buy nothing website on Facebook? Yeah. yeah? How many are members of some Buy Nothing group? I swear that group is like what I think the church should look like. It is, it's like, the, it, I feel like it's the, the book of Acts. It's people saying, hey, I have, I have extra of something. I have 10 jars of pasta sauce. I only need two. Here, who needs pasta sauce? And then you have other people who are like, oh man, I really, I, you know, I, I need this. My, you know, my kids are running low on money or whatever. And, and does anyone else out there have this? And people are just giving and back and forth and finding ways to help when people are down on their luck or when someone is ill. I see this, this group rallying around people in such a powerful way. And I'm like, this, this is what it looks like to be the light in the world, to find little ways to love some of these problems seem so big, and yet there's little things that we can do. Sometimes we just don't think it makes a difference, but I want to tell you that it really does. And there's also some people in here, there's some of us who might just think, oh, nobody can do anything really to make a difference, right? But I think there are some people in here, maybe it's you today, and you have this belief somehow that you specifically 
could not make a difference in the world. That somehow you just don't have the, the education or the, you know, the personality or the influence. That somehow you just feel like you're always making mistakes and you feel like you could never be someone who changes the world. I feel like Tom um, made a, a post this week online that I thought was really helpful. You know, he talked about congratulating all the high school graduates who maybe won awards over the last week or so or made high honors or whatever it was. But he said there's always, there's some people out there who may, maybe didn't make high honors, maybe didn't get that award. And he made a very clear point that those people are valuable too. And even if you are sitting here today and you think, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't make the honor roll, I couldn't get the award, that does not disqualify you in any way from serving God, from loving the world, from making a powerful impact. Maybe you look at your life and you look at your past, or forget your past, maybe, maybe even just your present. You're like, Carrie, you have no idea what I'm struggling with today, and there's no way that God could use someone like me. And I'm here to tell you that's wrong. That is a lie from the enemy. Because God delights in using us even in our weakness, even in our brokenness, even in the things that we feel like are not shiny or beautiful to the world. And God often takes the people, the very people that maybe the world would think would be the last ones to make a difference. And God likes to use people in powerful ways for his story. And we have to remember that it is not about us. It is not about all the things we bring. It is not might or power. It is by God's spirit. So if you are sitting here and that's you and you think you could never make a difference, that's the enemy trying to keep you out of the game. And I would encourage you to let God fight back, fight on your behalf and show you the story he wants to write through you. So sometimes we don't get in the game because we are just afraid it doesn't matter. We think it just doesn't matter. Other times I think we don't step out to make a change in the world because we're afraid we're going to fail. We're afraid we're going to fail, and, and probably we're afraid we're going to fail because we have failed before, because we know we've made mistakes in the past. Sometimes it feels like um, failing by not trying is better than failing when we try. I don't know if you feel this way. I know for me, like if I spend a whole lot of time trying to plan something, whether it's for my kids or, or for my spouse, and if I like spend all this time on it and then it goes south and everyone's angry and I'm like, what just happened? And part of me is like, well, never mind. Maybe I would have been better if I just didn't try at all. And maybe we can feel that way about the world too. We can say, oh, I, I tried and I just, I don't know if I can do it. And what if I let people down? What if I let God down? We don't think we have the skills or the competency um, so I want to do a quick game to illustrate why it's okay if we fail sometimes and we don't have to be perfect. So I'm going to need two volunteers. Um, it, could be, it could be anybody. I will say I brought some, some cash. It's going to be charades. Who, who would like to play Kyle? Do you want to come up? All right, I need one more person. I don't, yes, I don't, see, I don't know your name, but I, I see you in the back. Come on up. All right. All right, so we're going to do charades. You need to decide. What's your name? Julia. Julia. Thank you, Julia. All right, which one of you wants to be the, the one who acts out the clues? Me. You want to act out? Okay. Good. All right, so I am going to give you... Actually, here. You have these clues. Just see if you can get at least... See if she can guess at least two of these, all right? Smile. Happy. You got happy. Good job. Crying and sad. Failure. Wailing. Unhappy. Crying. Reading. 
baby. It's a baby sign. She's got two. Ooh, that's a good, that's good job, spider. Oh, she's got it. Do we have one more? Foot, heel, shin. Very close. Um, Achilles heel. Well, what, so Foot, heel. I shouldn't give clues. So, um, ankle, ankle, ankle what? Ankle, can't see my ankle. Can't see. On your foot. On my foot, can't see my foot. A sandal. A shoe. A shoe, a sandal. I don't have it on, but it, like, a sneaker. Oh, oh, close. Under the, under the shoe. Socks. Yeah. All right. That, you know what? I think you, you did a great job. I think I had more than, that, more than four, but you guys did fantastic. Thank you. There you go. There you go. Thank you guys for playing. See, I'm, I'm helping to solve the money problems in little ways. So I know this was silly, but I, 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 partly I brought this up to show you. Um, if I had Kyle come up here, and I just tried to get her to just randomly say these words, we would have been up here for a very long time. How, how likely would it have been for her to guess those without someone helping her, without someone mentoring her? It would have taken her a while. And Julia did a fantastic job, but, but Julia had a limitation, right? You know, mo most people could just, you know, say, say out a clue, try to, try to speak it out somehow. She couldn't talk. She had to just use her, her hand motions. So even with that limitation, she was still able to make a difference for Kyle. And again, despite my meddling, she did a great job. Um, and she didn't get Kyle to guess everything on the first try, did she? No, so, so you could say, oh, well, she failed. She didn't get it the first time, but no, she kept going. And eventually, it, it, it worked out. And so again, even though this is maybe a silly example, I want you to know that when you take the time to step out, when you, and you allow God to work in you, even with the failing, even with the mistakes, even with the bumbling, you have to know that God is using all those things in your life in very powerful ways. We need to remember this. We don't have to be perfect to be used by God. I think I've quoted them before, but there's um, a, a parenting class called Circle of Security, and they talk about how we just have to be good enough parents. And that sounds really backwards, but there's a quote here from their blog. It says, good enough parenting is when we can hold on to two things. First, that we are willing to hold on to our children's best interests. And second, that we will mess up probably pretty often. And maybe that's not what you want to hear, but I think, I think sometimes we need to be reminded that we are human, that we will make mistakes, that failure is part of the process, and yet God still works even through that. And I think Circle of Security says if we can show up and be present for our kids 30% of the time, that that is significant and that allows them to feel secure and safe and loved. We don't have to be perfect and we also need to remember that it is God that works, that God calls us to do what's in our power to do, what's in our hands to do, but he's the one that makes things grow. First Corinthians 3, 7 through 9 talks about this. Uh, he says, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are God's co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. And so this is this beautiful reminder, first of all, that, that one person has one job, one person has another job, but ultimately it's God who produces the fruit. 
And additionally, I love that this verse says that we are God's co-workers. Like he's not sending us out by ourselves. Maybe sometimes we get this idea that he's sending us out and he's like, I've got this list of things for you to do. But God's like, no, I go with you. I work with you. I'm in you. Through me, you can do these things. Through me, you can bear fruit. Failure is not the end of the story. Certainly not in God's story. So sometimes we think, There's just no point in trying, right? I can't really make much of a difference. Sometimes we're afraid that we're going to fail so we don't step out. Sometimes we think we just don't have the time. Um, And one of the reasons we think we don't have the time, I'll get to in a second, is because sometimes we actually don't have the time. So I will explain that later. But there's also a sense that, you know, we, we look around at our lives right now and we think, oh my gosh, I've got bills to pay and I've got a job to do and I've got, you know, PTO meetings and I've got the kids soccer or sports and I've got all these deadlines. And so we can start to just feel so overwhelmed and we don't know that there's any way. This, this just feels like a massive list of things to add to our plate. And I want to read a passage today um, that maybe, maybe helps us to just sort this out a little bit. Um, this is from James 4, 13 through 17. Um, and it talks about how sometimes we make these plans. We make plans and we say things like, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that, and we will spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. It is sin for them. Um, part of why I bring this up is this is a person who's making a plan. right? We're, we're making these plans and we have all these things on our agenda. And the first part of this passage, I think, reminds us that we need to invite God into our planning that we're just a mist and we don't realize how, how little control we actually have over our lives. And so when it says, if it's the Lord's will, we will do this or that, I think that's this reminder for us to say, God, okay, here's the, here's the time that I have. Here's the schedule that's before me. Here's the plans that I've made. But what is your will? What is your heart? That we can hold our schedule open and say, God, I'm willing for you to rearrange things. I'm willing for you to move things around and bring in interruptions that are from you I'm willing to, um, to let you show me the good thing that you're calling me to today. Because this is a, a reminder for those of us who maybe want to sit back and check out. The Bible makes it clear that if we, if we know the good we ought to do, we need to do it. That is important, right? And it doesn't always mean adding more things to our day. I think we get this in our head that sometimes um, doing good things means we have to add on more. But sometimes God says, Actually, maybe you need to let go of some things. Maybe there's some things you're doing right now that are not your priority. It's for someone else to carry. And I want you to focus on the things that I have called you to do. Maybe that means for you making like um, a, a board. I like to make visual boards and, and put things up there that are important to me right now in my life and to see, okay, these are the things I'm doing right now and how does God want to work through those things? And be honest, obviously we have to include the things that we have to do, like work and, and child care and, and other things. So we don't need to minimize those things, but that allows us to see what do we actually have time to do. Um, my, I know I worked with a life coach for a while and she had me like make a list of six things. She's like, what are the things right now in this season, maybe not next season, but in this season that are important to you? And then she told me, okay, these are the things you said. 
if someone asks you to do something that does not fall in these top six things, your answer to them is no. You can say no to them. You don't have to add things on that are not yours to add. And this, I want to just make a quick point here too, because I think that there's a couple people in this room. There's maybe one kind of person that's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't feel terribly motivated to like do, to step out and do what God, you know, maybe has for me. I'm not really sure that I need to, need to make a difference in the world. And to that person, I'm saying, yes, God, God absolutely calls each of us to do something in his kingdom and for the sake of others and to be a light. But there are other people in this room that as soon as I started writing this list, you started feeling guilty and anxious. Because in your mind, you were like, when you hear this verse that says, anyone who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin. You're like, oh my gosh, well, there's like a million good things that I could be doing at any time. And so if I'm not always constantly doing something, then I must constantly be sinning. And that is so far from the truth as well. That is another lie that keeps us stuck and keeps us overwhelmed and keeps us backing out. And maybe it's the people that you see that are always like, oh man, there's someone needs help with this and someone needs help with that and they're trying to do 90 million things and what usually happens is that those people get burned out and they get overwhelmed and they feel like they've failed. But in reality, it's because they were trying to do more than they physically could God has not called you to do all the things in the world. He's just called you to do what's in front of you. In fact, sometimes some of you are already doing the, the good thing that you need to be doing. It's already right in front of you. It's, it's building into your kids. It's, it's saying hi to your neighbor. It's, it's making little, little changes right around you. Some of you don't need to add any more things. But we need to let God show us what he wants us to do. And this is um, one of the reasons that Paul talks about living in the body of Christ. Man, we are not all gonna do the same job or the same role. We all need each other. So the foot is not going to do all the functions of the body. That's not its job. Its job is to be a foot, to help walk, to run. In the same way, when we looked at like even the early, the early believers, um, the, the apostles initially were trying to do everything. They were preaching and they were trying to help with um, social justice issues. And at some point there was this problem because the people, the vulnerable widows were getting overlooked and they had to say, I need to delegate. I can't do everything. And so they found other people who could do that. And it was a, it's a good reminder to us that we don't have to do it all. God is bringing other people alongside us. And I think also going into like a, a new season, going into summer, um, it's a reminder that we have to evaluate um, in this season, what can I do? What can I be part of? Um, I know we, went, we were going through a fostering season for a while, and for a year and a half, I, you know, that was pretty much consumed a lot of our lives. And I realized, I look back, and I, I think I was, um, I felt like I should always be doing more. I think I tend to be that person. I was like, I, 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 don't, I only have this much time, but I feel like I'm always letting everyone else down. And I look back and I realize, you know what? I was, I was doing something that God put in my hands, and that was enough. And I needed to let go of that. And now I'm in this season where there's more space and there's more time. Um, but it's easy for me to fill that time with busyness. And so God calls me to still sit with him and say, okay, here's what I have. Here's the time I have now. What do you want to do? How do you want to fill this? Maybe you're someone who just graduated and you're like, I am, I am so ready to do something. I'm so ready for God to use me. And this is a great time for you to sit with God and say, okay, God, show me the plans. Show me the purpose you have for me. But even if you're not a fresh graduate, there's always a time for us to sit with God and see where he might want to lead us. So sometimes we don't step out because we feel like it isn't going to make a difference or we fear that we're going to fail 
or we fear that we don't have enough time. And the last point that I want to make is sometimes we, we know God wants to use us. We know he has called us to be the light. We know we may fail, but he's going to use us anyway. We, we've, we've given him an honest account of our time, but sometimes we just don't know where to start. Does anyone feel that sometimes? Man, there's, there's so many things here. I just don't know where to start. Whether it's, you know, parenting or being, a, you know, a change in our culture at work or trying to help lonely people or, you know, ending child trafficking. There's, there's so many things we might want to be part of and we wonder what we need to do. And I think the first thing here I would say is that we have to rely on God's spirit. There are so many uh, times that God talks about, you know, step out, go. Um, even he talks about how the spirit intercedes for us when we don't know how to pray. Mark 13, 11 reminds us that um, the disciples were told when, you're, when you go out, when you're arrested, when you're brought to trial, don't worry beforehand what to say because God's gonna give you what to say. We have to trust that sometimes we have to step out and that God is going to give us the next step as we move. There's a quote, I think from Graham Cook that says, provision is not where you stand, but where you tread. Provision is not where you stand, but where you tread. And I think it's a reminder that when we step out, we can trust that God's gonna show up and give us the next step and the next step. Uh, I think sometimes it helps to look at the things we've done in the past. Maybe, uh, maybe things that you don't even realize you've already started on a trajectory, a good thing that God's already put in your path. Whether you've started having conversations with other parents about how to support mental health for your kids. Maybe you've already looked into Glow Team and how they're helping local or global poverty. Maybe you, you know, you, the group is going to Belize this year and you're like, maybe next year, maybe when they do another trip, I'm gonna go. You, you see it has been planted. There's also an organization called Urban Alliance. If you're looking, um, it's, it's a CT organization that helps bring together churches and um, nonprofit organizations right here in our state. And they have a, a million ways you could get involved if you're not sure where to start. I think sometimes it even just starts with having a conversation there's someone maybe that you know that's already connected in that passion area and you say, okay, God, what can, you, what can I learn through somebody else? And I, I, there's so many stories in the Bible of God leading someone and as, as they step out, God uses their story. I even think of Acts 18 and there's a man named Apollos and Apollos has all this passion and he starts preaching the word of God and he is just on fire. But some of the things he's saying aren't quite accurate. And so what happens is God brings Aquila and Priscilla and Aquila to come and help him and teach him and train him. So even though he makes a mistake, even though he's not sure maybe where to start, he just starts and God guides and leads him as he goes. And the same is true with us. If you see something in your family, if you see something in the community, if you see something in your workplace and you think, God is, I think God wants me to do something here. God wants me to make a change. God wants me to make a difference. Then you just pray and then act and stay curious and let him lead you and truly believe that God is going to use you to be a light. And finally, as I, as I wrap up this and I wrap up the message, I think sometimes when we say we don't know where to start, maybe what we're really saying is that we don't feel like we have permission to start. Joe Saxton says this, we often don't step into our purpose because we're waiting on permission from someone else. And maybe you're sitting here 
And maybe it goes back a little bit to the idea of maybe not feeling like you're qualified or, or good enough. But maybe you've been told that, that you can't do something. Maybe you've been told that your idea is not good. Maybe you've been told, oh, a woman can't do that or a child can't do that. And maybe you're sitting there waiting for somebody else to give you approval and permission. And I want to tell you, what if you believed that if God put an idea on your heart, that if God put a gift inside you for the body of believers, that he will also give you what you need to accomplish that? What if you truly believe that even without anyone else's permission, that if God has put a gift or an idea in your heart, that he will accomplish what he started in you? Don't be afraid to step out. We don't need to wait for, for other people's approval. I know that's easier said than done sometimes, but when God is calling you, he will show you. He will show you how to use that gift and that idea for his kingdom and his glory. So where do we go from here? Where do we end? I wanna be honest. I know stepping out, showing up in the game is gonna be hard work. It's going to take time. It's going to be a cost. And I don't want to lie about that because, because there is going to be a battle. It doesn't always look like, you know, we don't always have to move across the globe to change the world. We don't always have to, you know, win a Nobel Peace Prize. It doesn't always look like dying for our kids, but, but there's still a sacrifice. Loving other people, loving, loving our neighbor's kids is messy sometimes. Loving our own kids can be, can be challenging at times. We don't know Choosing to be countercultural in the way that we love the world, in a world that cancels people out the minute they disagree, in a world that says, well, I, I will give something to you up until a point until you do something that offends me. What if we were countercultural in a way that says, it's going to cost me, but I'm going to love you even in disagreement? I'm going to love you even if other people say you don't deserve it. Be that person. Be that person who decides to to let God love through them and be the light. And then expect a fight. Expect a fight. I feel like the song we sang earlier, the team had no idea, but that idea that um, tell the devil no, not today. We've got to remember that when we feel that, um, that um, tension, when we feel the, um, when we step out and we feel kind of obstacles pushing against us, we have to remember that God is stronger and I want to leave you with this quote by Christine Kane today. Uh, she's a fiery preacher with a big heart. And if you know anything about her, she has um, a story from her childhood that you should go and read uh, just about abuse that she dealt with. And you might have looked at Christine and said, nothing good, nothing good could come of her story. God, you know, God could never use that. And yet it is precisely through that story that, that Christine birthed this organization called A21, which stands for abolishing slavery in the 21st century. And she is just this, again, fiery, on-fire preacher for God. And here's what she would say to you. This is, I saw on her Instagram page this week, and I want to leave us with this just to give you that encouragement. When you make a decision to focus forward and move on, she says, expect to meet resistance. The enemy does not want you to step into the promises of God for your life or to fulfill your purpose so he will do whatever it takes to discourage, distract, delay, disappoint, or destruct you. And she and Tom, you're on this D kick. She says, you will have to fight to control your thoughts, guard your heart, and strengthen your soul. It's often easier to give up than keep believing, hoping, 
and expecting for your breakthrough to happen. This is called a fight of faith because that's exactly what it is. The enemy plays dirty and that's why you feel like throwing in the towel. It's hard, it's messy, it's exhausting, it's discouraging. But I'm here to remind you, she says, that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The enemy is a defeated foe. Fix your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of your faith. Let's pray. God, I truly believe that you have called each and every person in this room, that you've called us as Hope Church to make a difference in the world, that you have given us the ability to be a powerful light through you and through your spirit. God, I pray today for those that are feeling fearful or overwhelmed or anxious or afraid. I pray that you'd meet them in that place and that you would just, um, that the hope and the power and the encouragement of what you are doing and who you are would be stronger than all those things, stronger than the lies. And God, that you would remind us that every little bit of light is powerful even in the very smallest ways. Encourage the fathers, the mothers, the mentors, the teachers, the grads, the people who feel like they're just just average and don't know what to do. God, encourage every person in this room to see themselves through your eyes and see your story. We love you. Amen.